Welcome to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Thank you. Let's give the Lord a hand. Father, we honor you. We worship you. We exalt you and lift up your name. We thank you, Father, for all you've already done this weekend. But Lord, you haven't finished yet. Lord, have your way tonight. Lord, we thank you for the anointing that breaks the yoke. Lord, you know what each person needs. And Father, we thank you right now, Lord, for families. Lord, as one of these seven anointings of Christian International is a family anointing. We thank you, Lord. We pray for restoration in families right now. Lord, we believe for the prodigals to come back, Father God. We thank you for whole families. We thank you, Father, for that generational blessing for the children and the children's children, Father God. We call them back in, Father God. We thank you, Lord. As for me and my household, we shall serve you, Father God. Now, Lord, we speak to anything that's stopping them from coming into that place, Father God. We thank you that you love family. We are a family. And, Lord, we thank you for that restoring power right now in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. You can be seated. Well, um, just give the sound guys an awesome hand because I just went to them like literally eight minutes ago maybe and said, "Um, can you please get this up for me and do this? And, And I said, if you can't, don't worry, but they come and tap me thumbs up. So let's give them a hand that they've... Um, done this for us. So I'm just going to show a clip, you know, leading into tonight's message. And um, it's not Bethel and it's not Hillsong, okay? (laughs) So it's an old, old, old um, one, but very anointed and very powerful. And um, just to lead into what I'm going to share about tonight, but I just want you to soak it in and enjoy as this plays. Just allow God's anointing to touch you as it plays. Thank you, guys. Good job. And before, before, he, before he died on the cross, there was a woman who, who recognized who he was and knew that he only deserved the best. And, and she opened up her alabaster box and she gave him her best. They were like, oh, that's too expensive. But tonight I want you to open up your alabaster box and I want you to worship him. Worship him the way he deserves to be worshipped. The room grew still as she made her way to Jesus. She stumbled through the tears that made her blind. felt such pain some spoke in anger heard folks whisper there's no place here for her kind still on she came through the shame that flushed her face until at last she knelt before his She spoke no words Everything she said was heard As she poured her love for the master From her box of alabaster I've come to pour My praise on him 
like oil from Mary's alabaster vine. Don't be angry if I wash his feet with my tears and I dry them with my I was a prisoner to the sin that had me bound. And I spent my days, poured my life without measure into a little treasure box. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Father. You know, and to bring into what I'm going to share about tonight, I feel like, you know, this year the Lord spoke, it's about uh, your heart. It's the year of the heart, 2019. And one of the things is us getting back to that first love. I feel like a lot of people have, in the stuff and the life and things, we've lost that first love. Come on. That song always still affects me, makes me emotional because 
I remember the night he found me. Come on. I remember what he saved me from. And sometimes we get so accustomed in our little cushy Christian world and everything we do that we forget what he saved us from. Come on, we forget the sin that had us bound and had us trapped. And we've got to always remember that and that there's a world out there that is still trapped in that sin. Come on, there's a world out there that need him, that need to find him. And I felt the Lord even speak, you know, we have, it was a year of reckless love. And I thought about that song at the towards the end of last year, we we're singing uh, the one about there's no wall that he wouldn't kick down, no mountain he wouldn't climb running after us. Well, as I was worshiping and singing that song, I felt the Lord say, well, how about if there's no wall we wouldn't kick down? Come on, no mountain we wouldn't climb running after him. But come on, as a church, it's become all about, a lot of worship's all about me. Come on, worship's about me, that he wouldn't kick down a wall running after me. There's a, all about me, what I can get. Worship is worshiping our God. Come on, thanking him, praising him, lifting him up. Come on, giving glory to his name. I love worship where people are in love with him and just worship him and go, that's old, but it's a song. The cost of the oil in my alabaster jar. Come on. She poured out. Mary poured everything out. She come and there was people round about saying, if he knew what manner of a woman this was, he wouldn't even have time for it. But he loved her. Come on. He loved her radical praise. He loved her heart that she poured out everything. See, we've got to get back to that place where we're so in love with the Lord, that we pour out everything, that it's not, we've become in church celebrity status. Come on, big name, big people. It's that God never intended that. Jesus never had that when he was on the earth. Come on, he walked amongst the people. He touched the people. He went to the poorest of poor. We've got to get out of our celebrity status that we're poor. No, we're just uh, sinners saved by grace. We've got to remember the night he found us. We've got to remember what he picked us up. I'm from. We've got to remember it is a joy and an honor to serve him every time. You know, the people now don't want to serve. I was talking yesterday to leaders. Oh, wow, I've got to come to church twice. You guys are awesome. Come to church twice on Sunday and on a freezing cold night. So you're a passionate lot coming out. I said, oh, I wonder how many will turn out tonight. It's so cold. But you turned out. So good on you that you've turned out. But come on. It's now. It's like people I grew up. Uh, when I got saved and we raised our children in the house of God. We brought them up. They went to church twice on Sunday. And the nighttime meetings went for three hours. There was no children's program. You tell a parent that now and it's like, I can't bring my children to church for three hours. They couldn't sit still for three hours. Well, you've got iPads now. It's easier. <laughs> my kids didn't have that. They went and sat on the floor. They learned how to sit on the floor. Come on. They had books. They had food to eat. They had things to do. And if they were naughty, we took them outside and spanked them and brought them back in. They learned how to sit on the church floors. Come on. And people say, it's cruel to me. Well, all my children are still serving God. Two of them pastored churches, so it can't have been that difficult for them. And in actual fact, we tried to discourage them not to do ministry. Come on, this was not that if it's got, you know, we're just like, are you sure you really, really want to do this? But it never hurt them. But you see what the difference is. We love the Lord with all our heart. Come on, we love, we sought it an honour and I still consider it an honour 
to serve Him in any capacity, whether it be that scripture, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. See, we got out of that. No one wants to serve. No one wants to do anything anymore. But it is an honor to serve our God. Come on. It is an honor. Sometimes we get so, I was thinking the other day, people talk about and saying to us, well, don't you get sick of all those long haul flights and being in a plane 18 hours or whatever. And, and so when people keep talking that to you, what begins to happen is you take that on board. You get on a plane, you think, oh, I've got 18 hours. I'm going to be so jet. No, see, it's what people say to you. But I look at it and think, wow, I've got 15 hours of uninterrupted time. I can read, I can sleep, I can watch a movie. But also just a month ago, I said to Greg, wow, I'm so thankful for the Wright brothers. We're inventing flying, come on. I thought about the people gone before us, before aeroplanes. They, they couldn't have the advantage to go out of them. Very few people got to leave, well, especially Australia because we're the other end of the earth. Very few people would have left Australia, even known what's in Europe, China, Asia. We are blessed that we can all travel because of the Wright brothers, because of their persistence, come on, to get that aeroplane flying. I'm thankful for them. I think about and think, now I don't have to go on a boat for months. Mind you, if it was a cruise ship, I could go. <laughs> but <laughs> they weren't cruise ships. Those of you who know us know we love cruising. Um, they weren't cruise ships back then. But come on, they had to leave their families for months. And sometimes it's perspective. Come on, how you think about something. Oh, God. And see, our children love the house of God. I was sharing yes with Liz because we love the house of God. I love him. I'm thankful for what he saved me from. I'll never forget the night he found me. I'll never, and that's why I love to keep watching that over and over again to remind me how what a privilege and what an honor it is to be saved and for him to use me in any capacity. Come on, any capacity. We have always served. We did children's church for seven years. It's a great, you want to be a preacher? Be children's church teacher. Best training ground ever. You get rid of your fears. I couldn't speak publicly. When I went to kids' church, I was so afraid to share a scripture. That was my training ground. I want to tell you, kids are the hardest to do. If you can keep a kid's attention, adulterer, piece of cake. Come on. Things about kids, that sucks. That was bad. They know their scripture too. They know scripture better than adults. And they'll tell you, excuse me, teacher Julie, that's wrong. <laughs> they'll challenge you. They'll tell you it's boring. So it's the most incredible training ground is children's church. But come on, God wants to in uh, heaven to invade earth. How does he want to do that? Through you. Come on, through you. That's what God's done. He wants heaven to invade earth. How? Through you, through us. Come on, we've got to start representing our God rightly. God's shifting stuff. As we spoke and Greg talked this morning, there's change coming. There's something change coming in the church. Come on, God's moving away from some of the stuff. He's never endorsed it, but now he's coming to a place of a people who come on, the remnant, the ones that really love him. There's going to be a dividing line between those that have and those that don't. God is coming in a fresh and a new way, but he wants to invade earth. Who? Through you. Come on, through each one of us in your workplace. We've got to get back to that. Stop being about me. There's no wall. It's a great song. I love it. That he wouldn't kick down. There's no mountain he wouldn't climb. That's true. 
But God said, well, what about me? Would you, no wall you wouldn't kick down. Come on, no mountain you wouldn't climb. Running after him, that's what he wants us to have, that passionate love, like that alabaster box, come on, that she poured out. She poured out everything, but all the ones round about, the so-called Christians are criticizing her. Come on, standing there criticizing, looking at her sin, judging from their self-righteous eyes. We've got to remember, we were all sinners. There's no big sin and little sin in God. If you're a liar, if you're a gossiper, well, then that's sin. God doesn't class big sin, little sin. He lists what sin is. We're all sinners saved by grace. And we've got to remember that. God wants us to get back to that place, that heart to heart. I love this about Moses. Exodus 33 verse 7 says this. Moses was passionate. When he was passionate about his God, he had to endure a lot. He gave up a life of privilege and honour because he knew there was something. And it says this, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp, some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance of their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. See, Moses had to get away from the stuff. You've got to get outside your stuff. Come on. You've got to get outside there. You've got to make a deliberate that I'm going to spend time with the Lord. I'm going to have that time with him. See, I know now with our devices, we've got our Bibles and our things on our devices, but you'll be in your prayer time reading and then a beep of a message comes through or emails download. If you get distracted, then put them on airplane mode. Come on, we've got to have that time. Get away from our stuff. We've got to hear the voice of God. We've got to listen. And as Greg was sharing this morning, get the strategy for your breakthrough. You're waiting. You're waiting for breakthrough. And God says, well, I've already made the way. But you've got to get the strategy. And your break, for you to get your breakthrough personally, is going to be different to somebody else. You've got to ask the Lord, what's the strategy to my breakthrough? Come on, how do I break through? What do I need to do? But you've got to get aside with Him. You've got to spend time with Him. You've got to, how it says, how do we break off heaviness? Is we worship. So is it the spirit of heaviness is broken off by how? Worship. I think that's a pretty good trade. Come on, if you're feeling heavy, so many people are feeling heavy. I was like, well, have you worship? Oh, no. And God made it so simple. All we have to do is to worship, to lift off the spirit of heaviness. Another way that the Lord said is when we pray in tongues, it edifies us. So many people are walking around, they're not edified. And I said, well, when's the last time you prayed in tongues? Oh, I don't, or oh, a few months ago. Well, that's what the Bible says. When we pray in tongues, it edifies us. It lifts us up. Come on. It's the power, the furnace of God inside of each one. See, Moses knew this. He used to go aside, but it's interesting. It says the people stood at the entrance of their tents and just looked. Observers, come on, observers. And I wonder how much of us in the church would become observers. You know what? Just recently we were in the US and quite rare, but we had a Sunday off. We'd done some business meetings during the week. And so we had our Sunday off and we decided we were going to go to this particular church, massive church. There were about five services on the weekend. 
thousands of people. We're like, oh, this will be good. We're so excited to go to this place. So we went in. We, I said to God, I'm not standing up as a visitor or anything. I just want to go and see how they do everything. Nobody spoke to us. Not one person spoke to us. Nobody greeted us. But then this was my shock horror. Worship time. Let's all stand up and worship. A couple thousand people stand up and worship. I'm looking around the room. Nobody's worshipping. Everybody is standing there watching. They're out of a couple of, over, I don't know how many people, might have been 20 people actually singing and maybe raising their hand. I'm like, what's going on here? I've never been in a place like that. Maybe I wouldn't get invited to places like that. <laughs> but I was horrified. I'm like, how could that be? And then when they finished at the end, everybody claps their, yay, great performance, wonderful. That was worship. I'm like, worship, that's the band playing. That's like going to a rock concert or a concert of music and all. But then our daughter and son-in-law were just in a particular place and visited another big church. And she, I hadn't told her what about ours. And she goes, you're not going to believe it. It was the weirdest thing. Everybody just stood there and watched while the worship was going. What is worship? Worship is us expressing, come on, praising our God. But how far have we got away from that it's about me? Well, I just need to be filled. No, we come to worship our God. And when we give, the Bible says when we give, we receive. So when you give to God first, and we see, you know, God, the first thing he did, it says, for God so loved the world. What did he do? He gave. He gave. That's what he does. He gives. And so here you see these people, Moses goes out and they're just, oh, there goes the mighty Moses. He's off to worship God. Whoa, let's see what happens. Come on. And I thought, how different are we today? How different? Come on. And then when I went to these jobs, I'm like, Wow, no different. Here comes the mighty worship. And sometimes we're like, well, come on, worship team. Let's see how good you are. Can you get me? I I talk to her and they're so frustrated because they look out and people aren't entering in. And so the the worship team are trying to pump you. And no, no, we shouldn't have to be pumped. And so if you're a new believer, yes, you learn. But new believers are excited. That's why I said yesterday, we need new believers. We need new people in the chair because they'll just jump and scream because, see, they remember. It's so real to them. The night Jesus found them. They've got that's why we need new converts in our church all the time, because they're so excited. And they're all the others like, oh, they'll settle down soon. Come on, they'll become just like us. I don't want them to become just like us. I want them to still be passionate and excited about God and the things of God. And so what it is is in worship, they shouldn't be up there having to try and pump us and get us in. Come on, they're just there as good music and a place to go. But we should be in there. You shouldn't be, well, I'm shocked in churches that people can sit. Yes, if you've got something wrong, that's okay. You can sit. Sometimes they just sit, but people who just stand there looking around. This is the Almighty God. 
We're worshiping, come into his presence with thanksgiving, shout unto God. He doesn't say whisper or stand there like a stunned mullet. He says shout unto God, shout. You read Psalm, it's always make a loud shout. Come on, worship him. He is worthy of a prayer. What's stopping you? Stinking pride of what someone else might think of you. Well, I don't do that. I'm a quiet person. But I've seen those same quiet people get to a rock concert or a football match and they're lunatics. Scream and shout and yell out. I like my husband. He's passionate about football. Well, about sport. <laughs> In full stop. But he better not shout loud in sport than he does for God. And he doesn't, so that's okay. Because I'll be saying, well, I don't hear you shout like that for God. You can be passionate about football. You can be passionate about sport. But you better be passionate about worshipping God. You better be cheering him on. He's better than any football match. He's better than any team winning. Come on. He's what? What? He's never lost a game. That's right. He doesn't lose. He's a winner. I love that about our God. You know what? I look at even Moses. When Moses goes in and he says to the Lord, okay, God, he finally surrenders. So when I go to the people, what am I going to say? Who am I going to say sent me? Because he says, you know, I've got to have a name for them. And he says to God, so what's your name? What am I going to say? And he says, I am. I love it about him. He's pretty confident. I am. He's not a wannabe, could be, should be, would be. He is. Come on, God knows who he is. I am. He is everything. He is the great I am. He is God. Come on, all powerful, almighty. I love his confidence. I am. Because <laughs> he is. He's awesome. He's powerful. He's mighty. But that's what's wrong with the church today. We've got to get back to our first love. We're going to get back to that passion. We're passionate about it. When we come into worship, we're passionate. Don't care if I look like an idiot. Don't care if I sing out of tune. Don't care if I miss the beat. I'm terrible with the beat, but I don't care. I love God. I just shut my eyes and no, I can't see anyone looking at me. Come on, if you shut your eyes, you don't see anyone looking at you. And we don't care what people think. Be passionate. I've never looked at someone where you've been passionate and thought, oh, wow, they're idiots. They should say. No, I love to see people's passion for God, worshipping their God. Come on. If you've been saved, you should be excited. You should be happy to be in church. You should be excited to worship God. We've got to remember what he saved us from. We've got to remember that night he found us. We've got to remember that if the world ended tomorrow, you're going to heaven for eternity. That's something to celebrate. So these guys, just looking. Just standing. And it says, verse 9, As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the presence of their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man. See, they stood and just worshipped what had come down. But see, Moses, come on, he went to that place where the Lord spoke face to face. So you can come to church, watch the worship, see the pillar of cloud, be there. But come on, God wants to speak to each one of us face to face. He wants to talk to you. That's how blessed we are. See, back then it's like, well, Moses was the one, but listen to this. And it says, Moses would return to the camp, but his young age, Joshua. Come on, his young age, Joshua, son of Nun. 
What a son of none, what a name. Joshua, son of none, did not leave the tent. See, Joshua knew there was something. Come on, he knew, we'll get to Joshua later, but he would stay. He would linger in the afterglow. He would be there. He knew Moses was me. He was there, right? See, they all could have been there. And who was the one that led the people? Joshua. Joshua was Moses' successor. Why? He was the one that was hungry. He was the one that was there lingering, waiting. There's a few keys in this. I said before, Moses got away from the stuff. We have to get away from our stuff. We've got to have that time with the Lord. I believe daily you've got to set aside time to be with the Lord. It's personal, intimate time. I mean, there's times I talk to the Lord, not I'm saying all day, but there's just times that I notice something, I speak something, something happens, I just, that's what it is. But then I have an intimate time with him every day. I love to have that time with him first thing in the morning. And see, we've got to get past. We all go on these feelings led by emotions. Well, I went and prayed and I didn't sense anything and I didn't feel anything. Oh, I didn't get the goosebump. I didn't get revelation. No, God says that when we go and close the door, what? He is there. So I settle that if I set aside time and be with the Lord, He is there. Come on, He is there. He said He's there. I don't have to get goosebumps. I don't have to get revelation. I just got to go and talk to Him. I'm His friend. I want to pour out everything to Him. I want to give everything to Him. I love how David, he was so passionate. He told God when he was mad. He told Him when he was glad. He told Him when he was sad. It's okay to tell God I'm mad. I'm disappointed. He's the best one to tell. Deal with your emotions. We've got emotions. I'm God. I'm disappointed. This didn't work out. I'm not understanding. But nevertheless, God, I trust you. I trust you. Now, Lord, remove the pain. Oh, someone's hurt you. God, remove the pain. Remove the hurt. And that's one of the things tonight. Come on, if you've been hurt, I just want you to raise your hand now because I feel God's bringing anointing tonight to heal the broken. This is not a time to be shy. What God reveals, He heals. So if you've been hurt, you've got brokenness in your heart, I want you to lift your hands because I feel tonight God is going to bring a healing. Come on. He's about the heart, a supernatural healing. And when we're broken and we're hurt, it's hard to love. It's hard to trust. Come on. It's hard to enter that place. Now, Lord, I thank you for what you've revealed. Tonight, I thank you for your healing power. Touch these ones tonight, Father God. Bring a wholeness to their hearts tonight, Father God. Lord, I pray that they'll let the hurt go, that they'll give it to you, Father God. And Lord, that you'll bring healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Moses got away. When Moses went to commune with God on the mountain, he left the crowd at the foothills. Come on, when he went up to that mountain, he left the crowd. Well, there must be times, and especially, I believe in this season now, you, there's times where you've just got to have more than just that. And to have times where you say, I'm going to put aside. We, as we can on Tuesday, is the Lord's day. We have that day where it's a time we just spend with the Lord to be refilled. Come on, to just go over stuff, to messages, to pray, to do it. It's different. There's no set thing. But we've made a commitment to have a day. I mean, it's a little bit different when we're ministers. We've got to keep fresh on the cutting edge. But still, come on, if you want to keep fresh and on the cutting edge and doing business or whatever you need, you've got to have that time with the Lord. 
God was there. It says He spoke to Moses face to face. Come on, isn't that incredible? Face to face. But we have that privilege today. When Jesus died, come on, that veil was rent. Come on, we're able to meet with God face to face. What they would have given back then to be able to have what we have today, to enter into the Holy of Holies. Come on, even to be not when they sinned, they had to do a blood slaughter. They had to kill the turtle doves and lambs and whatever, whenever they sinned. I praise God I wasn't born then because I hate blood. I hate guts. I hate all that stuff. I don't know. I would have had to be really good and never sin. I don't know why. (laughs) Because I couldn't have done it. I'm thankful now, come on, that we've just got to go into the present. I see, I believe every day when I come before the Lord, I ask for forgiveness of my sins every day. Lord, I thank you that you forgive me of my sins today, knowingly and unknowing. I'm covering every basis. Because you know what it is? I realise, and sometimes one of the hardest things is when we hold unforgiveness in our heart towards others. Now, don't get wrong, people in my life have hurt me, hurt me badly. Come on, things have happened. And when you get hurt badly, people you trust and love, it's sometimes hard. But when it happens repeatedly, especially pastors and leaders, when it happens repeatedly, sometimes it's hard to forgive. But what I realise is God said that if I don't forgive others, then He can't forgive me. So I forgive people not for their benefit, for mine. Because see, I've entered into a place where I know His presence, where I meet with Him face to face. I love Him so much. I never want anything to stop that flow from God. I never want anything to separate me from Him. So I cover everything, forgive my sins, knowingly and unknowingly, God. Oh, Lord, Washington, see, once you learn how to forgive, it becomes an easy thing. Things that used to hurt you, things that used to come again. When you're coming into His presence. It's like having that daily shower and He washes things off you. Lord, I'm hurt. I give that hurt to You, Father. I don't know, Lord, if I did anything, Lord, if I'm doing anything wrong to cause that hurt, show me. But see what happens if you don't have a shower daily, you can get away one day, you might be okay. Two days, you'll stink a little. Three, four, five, seven, no one can come near you because you stink so bad. And see, that's what's wrong with some of us. We stink so bad with our attitude. We haven't come into the presence of God and allowed Him to wash over us that no one can get near us. Verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people. But if you're not, let me know whom you will send with me. You've said to me, I know you by name and I've found, you've found favour with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I might know you and continue to find favour with you. See, Moses' heart was that I might know you. Come on, when you know God, you will have favour with God. And as I shared yesterday, why did Joshua and Caleb enter the promised land? The Bible says clearly, because they followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Why did the others not enter? Because the Bible says clearly, they did not follow God wholeheartedly. So Moses knew, come on, I know you. I found favour with you. Lord, teach me your ways. And he says, remember that this nation is your people. See, Moses has loved the people and he's reminding God of the promise. 
Oh, God, please don't. I know they're bad and then this, but come on. He's, he loved the people and he's reminding God of the promise. But he says this in verse 14. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. See, when God's presence is with you, when you walk in that place of His presence, when you're in that place of just with Him, you have a rest, you have a peace. Come on, you know that everything's going to be okay. That's why with the disciples, when Jesus said, guys, come on, we're going over here. The Lord said, let's cross over here. Jesus knew there was going to be a storm in the middle of the lake. But where was Jesus when the storm happened? He was asleep. Why? Because he had rest in God. God said, we're going over there. So it doesn't matter what storm, what comes, we're going to make it over there. Come on. Some of us don't have that rest or peace because we don't know what the Lord has said. Some of us are not going the direction of the Lord. We're going our own way. But if you're going your own way, just like Jonah did, God will, and God will send a storm or a whale. Come on, a big whale to swallow you up because you're going the wrong way. But when you're going God's way, when you've found favour, when you know His voice and you're walking in what He's called you and said to do, you will have a rest. Come on, you'll have a peace. Okay, no weapon that's formed against me will prosper. But see what that says is the weapon can form. Weapons can form. Accusations can form. Things can form. Court cases, things can form. But what does the Lord say? He says they will not prosper. But they can form. The storm formed. But Jesus knew that it cannot prosper because God said, we're going over there, so it's okay. We're going to make it. And then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, then do not send us from here. See, some of us, we're trying to talk God to go where we want to go. But God, I want to go over here and we'll make signs and say things. And the Lord said, you'll always find someone to agree with you. You'll always find someone who's not an experienced in the prophetic and they will give you a word according to your heart. There's such a thing as that. Come on, that people can, that's why when you receive counsel, you need to go to someone who's a mentor, someone who's further along than you, because people can prophesy according to your heart. Sometimes God allows you to have according to your heart to show you that it wasn't what you were supposed to do. But Moses knew. God, unless you go with me. See, that should always be our prayer. Unless you're with me, God. I don't want to do this unless you're with me. Unless your presence goes with me, then don't send me. Why? He says this. Verse 16. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us. What else, come on Moses, what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? A distinguishing mark that the Lord is with you. You know what, they did a survey in the US not long ago. Unfortunately, a lot of the surveys come out of the US. But the number um, one reason was why number one and number two, people, why they didn't go to church. Number two was that you're doing in the church what we're doing in the world, so why do we need you? And number one is that they felt God wasn't irrelevant, wasn't relevant today. That's a pretty sad indictment on us as the church. Where's the distinguishing mark? Come on, where's the distinguishing mark? That should be a hard to cry, God, unless you go with me. Unless you go with me. 
What is going to distinguish us? How are we going to stand out from everybody else unless the Lord is with us? You can have charisma and be good words and whatever. And sometimes there's a lot of that. And the churches and places, there's a lot of, it's motivational speaking. Come on, where they're motivating. We're pumping some of the youth things. They're motivating. They're pumping up. But you've got to give them seed. Come on, you've got to put something in their life. If I went out to a comedy show and had a good laugh tonight, I would feel great. But it's not lasting. If I was depressed and down, tomorrow I would still be depressed and down. But when you come into the presence of God and you receive, Holy Spirit see. Come on, when you receive God's anointing, it's a lasting sea. When you leave tomorrow, when you get up tomorrow, you will still feel good. Come on, you'll still feel great because that's what it is. Seed in your life. What it is, it's a distinguishing mark. It's God's presence on our life. Exodus 8.22 says this, And in that day I will set apart the land of Goshen. Goshen means drawing near. That's what the word Goshen means, in which my people dwell. I believe this is what the Lord is doing today. He's putting a dividing line. And it says this, that no swarms of flies shall be there in order that you may know I am the Lord in the midst of the land. And I'll make a difference between my people and your people. Tomorrow, this shall be a sign. Come on. Tomorrow, this shall be a sign. God's making a distinguishing mark between His people and His that have them. Come on. In Goshen, you imagine in Israel there was darkness, but just imagine if you lived on the border in Israel, Egypt, sorry, Egypt, there was darkness, and over in Israel there was light. Goshen, come on, imagine if you lived on it's dark here, but it's light here. All the cows died over here, but they stayed alive here. All the flies were swarming here, but not here. How do the flies know where to stop? God put a distinguishing mark. There's a distinguishing mark on God's people. Verse 17 says this. Oh, sorry, I'm going down to Exodus 8, verse 18. Understanding that God's power trumps everything. It says this, Now the magicians so worked with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there was lice on man and beast. The magicians said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them, just as God had said. And verse 17, God, And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Come on, there's a distinguishing mark. There's a certain things that the clairvoyance and there's a certain amount of power they have but our God trumps all. Come on. He trumps all. No one can tell you you God given destiny. Clairvoyance can prophesy according, well they don't prophesy but they can read according to your heart's desire. There's demonic uh, activity and they can read things from familiar spirits but they cannot tell you your God given destiny. Only the Lord can do that. And verse 10, Moses said now show me your glory and the the Lord says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. Can you imagine having God's goodness passing in front of you all the time? And I, will, and I will proclaim your name, the Lord in the presence. I will have mercy on whom you have mercy and I'll have compassion on whom you have compassion. Come on, Moses had God's power. 
Why? Because He loved him. He met with him face to face. We should have that same power and more. Jesus said, greater things will you do. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the presence of God inside of us. He says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power. You've got power. If you've received your saved and you've received the Holy Spirit, you have power inside of you. If we all begin to engage that power, come on, there would be a distinguishing mark on our families, in our workplaces, in our churches, in our nations. If we engage the power, we're asking God, God, do this and do that. And He says, but I already gave you everything. I've given you everything. I gave you power. I lift you power. Moses understood it. And in Deuteronomy 34, verse 10, it says this, And there arose not a prophet since in Israel, like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Come on, it says there was a prophet not like, and no one like him. Why? Because he knew God face to face. It wasn't about what he did. He said no one was like him. Why? Because he knew God face to face. If you're going to do mighty exploits for the Lord, you've got to know him face to face. You've got to have that heart to heart. Come on, you've got to remember what he saved you from. You've got to praise him. You've got to begin to draw upon his presence. You've got to love him, worship him. Stop complaining about what you don't have. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Just being thankful. It's an honour to serve you. It's an honour to be in your presence, God. Now let's look at Joshua. Exodus 33. He's the one. Joshua's the one that lingered. Come on. He stayed. You mightn't be the top one right now. You mightn't be doing much in your life right now. But if you linger in the presence, come on, if you get in the presence, your time, your hour, that distinguishing mark will come. Come on, things will happen. You might be down the bottom right now. You might be struggling right now. Your life might be a mess right now. But if you linger, if you meet with God, if you wait face to face, just like Joshua, your hour will come. And so it says this, the Lord would speak to Moses face to to face as a man speaks with his friend. See, this goes even further. He's his friend. Come on, are you a friend of God? Do you spend time in His presence? Or when you go in His presence? Most of the time for Christians, a lot of us, the only time we really get down on our knees and cry out is when we've got no money or we're going to die. And so when you go into the presence of God, is God there like, mm, Jesus, remind me. I know that voice kind of. Mm, haven't heard it for a long time. Who is that voice? One of those is like, here comes my friend. Come on, here comes my friend. Here's my friend Kevin waiting at my doorpost. Come on, waiting to hear my voice. I love my son Kevin. Come on. Does God know you face to face? Does He call you His friend? Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young age, Joshua, did not leave the tent. See, Joshua was seeking. He didn't depart. He had passion. And you know, it was Joshua who went on to lead the people into the promised land. Come on, Joshua went on to lead the people. And listen to this, as Moses' successor, 
Joshua completed the work which a great leader began. Moses led Israel out of Egypt. Joshua led Israel into Canaan. Six nations and 31 kings were conquered by him. Come on, six nations and 31 kings were conquered by Joshua, who was someone who sensed there's something, someone who wanted to know his God that would linger. Come on, that would wait in the presence. And then he knew Moses was a friend, but Joshua went on and he led the people. Listen to this, Joshua's dying words, Joshua 24 verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. He doesn't mess around. He's saying, well, if it's not desirable, then don't serve Him. And that's what I was talking about yesterday, saying God would rather that you were cold or hot than lukewarm. He does not like lukewarm Christians. He says, I will spew you out of my mouth because it's so vile to Him that His Son paid the price, that He's given us freedom and that we don't do anything with that and that we are lukewarm with what He's given us. Come on, that we're not passionate about what He died for. We're not passionate that He saved us. So here is Joshua saying, if it's not desirable, then go away. Go back to the world. Be cold, see how you fare in the world. You won't do any good. They always come back. They always come back. But unfortunately, no one ever comes back greater. I've never yet seen anyone who's walked away from the Lord. They all come back. The advantage of being saved a long time, being in ministry, going to churches, is we've seen a lot. They all come back. Come on, we see people leave because of hurt or they've got lust or desires in their heart. They don't want to wait for God's promises. But nobody ever comes back more successful. They come back more broken. They come back with greater loss. If they just hung on, and served God, they would have got everything. So Joshua says, choose. I believe God is saying to us, choose. Either you're going to serve Him wholeheartedly or not. Come on, I just, there's a, I feel that God, there's just enough is enough. I'm just this, come on, wishy-washiness. Counseling 50 times for the same thing. Never getting free from your demons. God says He delivers us from our enemies, not our friends. If you've made drugs your friend, then He's not going to deliver you from them. If you've made lust and porn or whatever you're doing, your friend, He is not going to deliver you from them. You have to hate that sin. You've got to go to war with that sin and say enough is enough. It stops here. It stops with me. I am responsible for my life. I'm going to choose God. I'm going to fight. Come on, devil, I'm giving you your, your warning today. I love that movie, The War, The War Room. And I love it when the woman, she realises that the devil's been messing with her life and he's been messing with her marriage. She's not going to walk around that mountain any longer. She takes responsibility. She walks in that house and she says, devil, today I've given you your marching orders. And she goes, I love it when she goes out to the front of that veranda and she doesn't just get him out of her house 
house, she tells him, get off my property and don't you dare come back. Come on, you've got to hate your sin. You've got to hate those things. Not be good, having them as attention, that you get more attention. Another counting session, another counting session. How can I say this? I've lived through rape. I've lived through the most terrible thing. I've had so much brokenness in my life, but I hated the brokenness. I hated the sin. I remembered what He saved me from and I stored in the gap and said, this is it. It goes no further. It stops here. Divorce will stop here. You're not having it in my family line any longer. Come on, we have to be passionate. God delivers us from our enemies. If it's your friend, come on, it's your friend. So he says, this day, choose whom you will serve. Come on, whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the river of our gods of the Amorites in, in whose land you were living. But listen to this. But as for me. See, this is what I'm talking about. It's personal. As for me. But as for me. Josh was making it personal. You do whatever you want. Choose. You've got a choice. That's the awesomeness of our God. He gave us a choice. I'm like, God, why don't you just make us all love you? Doesn't anyone else think that would be a great idea? You just make us all naturally love you. And then the Lord said to me, well, you want your husband to say every day I love you because he has to? I'm like, well, no. And God will say, no, I don't want my people to say they love me because they have to. I want them to love me because they love me. He gives you free will to choose. Choose. So Joshua says, if serving God's undesirable, then don't do it. You like your sin so much, then go do your sin. See where that gets you. You'll be back. <laughs> Choose. Choose Him. Joshua says, but as for me and my household. See, he's taken responsibility for his household. We took responsibility. But as for us in our household, divorce and drunkenness will not enter this house. Come on, we are going to fight for this. We're going to fight against alcoholism. We're going to stand in the gap against divorce. And now, see, come on, Andrew, our children are all serving the Lord, have never, ever, ever backslidden, all passionate, all love the Lord. Come on, two of them passed to churches, our sons are marketplace ministers. They've married godly people with equal calling, equal yoking. Our grandchildren love the Lord. They love the presence of God, all of them. They love the house of God. Why? Because we love the house of God. We know, we teach them God is a real God. We're not hypocrites. We don't worship God on Sunday and then go home and talk about everybody at church. And we're not living a lie like the devil all week and get to church on Sunday and put a mask on. That is the worst thing you can do for your children because they think God is like Santa Claus, that He's not real because you're pretending. So they see it as a pretend. You've got to show them how to love God. You've got to show them how to hear the voice of God. You've got to talk to them about the real stuff. Yeah, we're struggling right now, but God's bigger. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Come on, we will serve the Lord. He made it 
2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, verse, uh, ch- uh, chapter 2 and verse 5 says this, And the temple which I will build, this is Solomon, will be great for our God, for He is greater than all other gods. God wants us to build a dwelling place for Him. Come on. He wants you to build a dwelling place, not a weekend shack, not a Sunday visiting rites, that we come and visit Him on Sunday. He wants an indwelling presence, heart to heart. Come on. Encounters you'll never forget and never doubt who He is. Listen to this about the disciples. The disciples never forgot what happened that day on the mountain and they never had doubt who Jesus was. John wrote this in the Gospel. We have seen His glory and the glory of the one and only. Peter says this, We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitness of His majesty. We were eyewitness of His majesty. For He received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to Him from the majestic glory saying, This is my Son in whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. We ourselves, come on, it's personal. We ourselves, we ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with Him on the sacred mountain. See, it's believing not because of someone else. It's not believing because of this or because of that, because we are eyewitnesses witness. Come on, because we know Him face to face. See, that's why the um, Israelites struggled. They didn't know Him face to face. They never went to that place. But Joshua, come on, he dwelled there and he knew God face to face as well. That's why he was able to go on and lead the people. The disciples talk about it. And here it says this in John 4:42. Then they said to the woman, this is the woman at the well. When Jesus comes, he tells her all about her life. She goes back and tells the people they're all excited and revival breaks out in the town. They are excited because of what she experienced and because of what she said. But this is what they're saying now. They say this. Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard Him. We ourselves have heard Him. See, it's personal. We ourselves have heard Him. And we know that He is indeed the Christ, the Saviour. And I'll finish with this, Paul's words in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. This is what he says. He says, I know whom I have believed. Come on, Paul says, I know whom I have believed. How do you know Him? By spending time in His presence. Come on, by being there with Him, heart to heart. It should never stop. And the longer I've known Him, the more I know Him. Come on, you'll never, ever, ever, I love it when the angels, it talks about in Revelation, that the angels would fly around the throne room of God and they would cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Now, when I first read that, I thought, man, is that what we're going to heaven to do? Fly around a room and sing, holy, holy is the Lord. I'm thinking, I get dizzy. Those cheriplanes, you know, those rides? I get dizzy on those things. It's like, and now I'm like, oh, God's like, duh. No, it's the uh, angels were there. And it's like every time they got to where the Lord was, they're flying around, but every time they got to where God was, where He sits, they see another aspect. Come on, they see another facet. They see another part of His glory. God is not boring. He is incredible. He is awesome. The longer you walk with Him, the more you walk in His presence. How I just love it. He'll just show me little things. Lately, I've just been seeing rainbows every day. Hardly ever seen rainbows. And I 
know He's speaking something to me about His promises, God's promises. I love it when He does that. Just recently, when I was in the US, He kept showing me dragonflies. They're flying in my face and all around me. Dragonflies everywhere. And I thought, hmm, God, you're trying to show me something about this dragonfly. And I forgot and didn't research it. I get home, my little daughter, granddaughter runs it. She's got a dragonfly on the front of her class. I'm like, oh, that's right, dragonfly. And the Lord began to talk to me about change, change. Come on, He's preparing me. There's a lot going on right now. There's a lot of change happening, but He's preparing me, telling me so now that I can walk boldly in it to know I'm excited about it because I know that God, this is you. I don't have to be frightened and thinking, wow, Lord, what's going on? Is this you? Isn't this you? No, because He prepares us when you're walking with Him, when you know Him face to face, heart to heart, you'll hear His voice. He'll show you signs. He'll tell you stuff. You won't be wondering, is this God or isn't it God? He prepares you beforehand and says, I'm bringing change. So when the change comes, you're so excited. You're not frightened about it because you know, God, you sent those dragonflies. Come on, you've been telling me. He wants to speak, come on, to every one of you face to face. He wants you to know Him intimately. Come on, He wants us to get back to that heart to heart where it's about Him coming to in His presence. I love it. He's like a diamond. When you look into a diamond, there's so many, a real diamond, a good diamond. I have a real diamond and a good diamond. My husband was good to me. God was good to me. When I look at it, I can see the facets in it. There's so many colours. And it's like, come on, that is our God. He's never, ever boring. Come on, He's exciting. He's got so much for you. And there's so much to see. The longer you've been with Him, the more you get to know Him. There's a greater power, a greater anointing. If you're at a place of boringness, might I suggest, to you that you've just been outside looking, watching instead of being there in the presence of God. Let's stand tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The awesomeness of God, it doesn't matter where you're at, what you're in, you just, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I want to be back in that place. Forgive me for my slackness. Forgive me for not wanting to be in that place. Forgive me for making it about me and not about you. Lord, restore back that first love. Lord, I thank you tonight that you're restoring back first love. You're restoring back the passion. Lord, people that have lost their joy, you're restoring back the passion for you. Come on, you will never lose your joy when you're passionate about God. You can be in the midst of the fire, but you can still be okay because you know He is right there with you. Come on, you can be going through something that's formed against you, but you can laugh at the devil and say, you might have formed this, but it will not prosper. Come on, it will not prosper. Our God is exciting. He's powerful. Father, I thank you that you put back such a hunger in each one of us to want to know you more. Lord, for that heart to heart, 
Lord, I hunger for your presence. Restore back the first love. Lord, let us remember the night you found us. Lord, remember how you saved us. Lord, let us remember the sin that you've moved us from, that you've lifted us from. And Father, I thank you tonight that we will be passionate about you. Lord, choose. God's saying to you, choose this day. If you don't want to do it, then don't. Go try it your way. You'll be back. I'm giving you a little hint. Choose God. (laughs) Come on, God gives him a, he says, this day I put before you life and death. He tells him, life and death's before you. But he actually gives a little hint. He says, choose life. So I'm saying, you know, God sent you, either choose me or don't. Come on, he gives us a hint, choose life. It's better. But come on. We need to have a distinguishing mark on our life. Not that we're weird, spooky, unkooky, unrelatable. Ooh, the Holy Spirit. We're real people with real answers for people. We are lights in the darkness. Come on, that moss that people will be drawn to. You have the power of the living God in you to set people free. Come on, to break sin and death of people's life, to call out that sin. Come on, to deliver them from depression, to deliver them from whatever they're bound by. You have the power of God. You're gonna start engaging that power. Come on, choose Him today. Choose Him. Say, God, I'm choosing Your power. I'm choosing Your presence. I'm going to live my life fully for You, Father God. And Lord, I thank You for that distinguishing mark upon my life, Father, that Lord, heaven is going to invade earth through me. Come on. God wants heaven to invade earth through You in Your workplace, in Your family, in Your community, in Your churches. Come on. There's a dying world. There's people out there like the world with the alabaster box. They're dying. Come on. They're dying. And we've got the answers. We've got the power. Not sitting in our self-righteousness that we're better than them or judging them. No, we need to be amongst them, giving that life-giving power, using the Holy Spirit, laying hands on them. Come on. When you lay hands on somebody, you impart. When I lay hands on someone, I'm not thinking I'm laying hands. When I lay hands on someone, Somebody in the marketplace, when I touch them, I'm seeing heaven invading earth. I'm seeing God's power come down and touch them and invade them and change their lives forever. That they'll walk away wondering what just happened. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were out at the shopping center on a Saturday. We had our three grandsons with us and um, we're busy doing stuff. And when you got the three boys, it's busy anyway. A busy shopping center. And we're coming out of this one place and this girl's just sitting in a chair out there, fringe of this coffee shop. And she called me up. She said, can you please, can you, you get me a drink of water? I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. She goes, I'm, I'm not feeling good. I'm feeling really bad. So I go to get a drink of water for her. And I come back and listen, give her the drink of water. And I said, oh, can, can I pray for you? And she said, your husband just did. I'm like, good man. So it's like, anyway, so I'm saying, okay, Lord, what do you want to say? And she's there and I'm talking to her. And I said to her, I said, look, 
It is no accident that you asked us that you stopped me today. I said, I want to tell you, I know the living God. I know Him personally. And I said, He told me to tell you today, you are not going to die. You are going to live. You're not going to die. She burst out crying. Tears were streaming down her face. She'd just given up smoking three days ago and she started to have palpitation. Now, meanwhile, my six-year-old grandson, the boys are standing there like eyes wide open. My six-year-old grandson says, wow, that's really bad. You shouldn't smoke. I'm like, out of the mouth of babe. She goes, yes, I know. That's why I'm giving it up. And so he's straight away, it's very bad for you. You shouldn't smoke. So he's telling her. And then sitting there, I said to her, she said, well, she said, what happened was my heart started beating really fast. And she said, and then I had a panic attack. I thought that I was going to die. I thought I was going to have a heart attack and die. And I said, it's no accident. God had you pick us out of all the people in the shopping center. He had you pick us today. He wants to tell you that you are not going to die. You're going to live. I said, he's a living God. And I said, whenever you're frightened or whenever you're scared, just call out to him. Ask him to help you. I said, he's there. He's listening. You don't have to. And then I said, okay, see you later. Come on. That was my assignment. Some people are like, well, why didn't you leave it to the Lord? Well, no, because you've got to understand the process. See, I grew up in a very and um, evangelistic church. And he told us that everybody you meet, you've got to lead them to the Lord, drag them to the Lord. But see, now with wisdom and understanding a little more, I understand that sometimes there's relationship. Sometimes you plant a seed, sometimes you water a seed, and sometimes you harvest a seed that you never plant. So you've got to understand when we meet people, I meet people continually all across the world. Some I lead to the Lord, some I give a message to, some I just share a word to, some I just encourage. I trust that if God could pick me to speak to that person, that he can follow up and get him saved. Come on. You just got to know what process. But I love that, that just being used right there in the shopping center. So then we're walking away. Now, the oldest grandson, he loves the Lord, but he's 11 and he's cool and into basketball. So he's not saying much. But the six-year-old and the nine-year-old, they're chatting to me. You're like, wow, did you just say? And they're going on about all, all this stuff and talking about it. And little Jamie's fascinated by everything that happens. And I'm kind of just going about. We're going to Woolworths and we, the boys want to drink a water. Said so there's a lady out the front selling um, oh, sausages and bread and water and something. And so I said, oh, can I just have three waters? I got the water. She says, oh, you get a free ticket into this car to win this car for buying the water. And I'm like, oh, okay. And Jamie's like, wow, Nana, you're so blessed. He says, because we helped that lady, God blessed us and gave us a free ticket, didn't he? And then we're going to walk off and then the lady comes up and she says, oh, the lady after you didn't want her ticket. Here's another one. Jamie's like, wow. And PJ's like, Nana, we are so blessed. And I say, yeah, and we might just win the car too. Wouldn't that be even awesome? If we win the car, I said, I'll take you for a ride in that car first. And then we're going around, we're doing a shop. Jam's just, oh, oh, you're so blessed, Nana. You're so blessed, Nana. And then we get out the front and this lady, they're collecting all these tickets for school and what I think you would have had it here. Anyway, a lady comes up to us out the front and she says, oh, are you collecting these? And the boy's like, she gave us this massive roll of tickets. And, the, and Jamie's like, oh. He's like, anyway, so I thought this would be, he goes home, he tells his mum and dad, Nana is so blessed. You know what? We helped a lady in the shopping centre. We helped her and told her she wasn't going to die and we prayed for her and God blessed us. Come on. 
That's the next generation. You're showing them. You're showing you not just the how real God is and the demonstration of His power. God wants to use every one of us in that way that we can be a demonstration of His power. If you want to be used like that, just lift your hands. Father, we come before you. Lord, I thank you that you want to put your distinguishing mark on every one of us. Father, we thank you for that distinguishing mark. And Lord, that we will use the gift that you've given us. The Lord, that we, as for me, I choose, Father, I choose to be heart to heart. I choose to know you. I choose to be in your presence. Lord, I don't care about what anyone else says or does. I'm not going to be dependent on what my husband or my wife does or my best friend or, or anybody else. Lord, I choose today. For me, I choose you, Father. I want that distinguishing mark. Lord, I want to make a difference. Lord, what will distinguish us from the the rest of the people on this earth unless you go with it. Now receive it. Come on. Receive the presence of God. Receive that anointing. Receive that distinguishing mark. Come on. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are gone. Come on. As you repent, they are gone. That distinguishing mark will be upon you. You'll start to see things shift. You'll start to see changes in your life and in people's lives. Father, we honour you. We worship you and we love you, Lord. Come on. Give him a hand. Thank you, Jesus.